You're listening to WRFH Radio Free Hillsdale. I'm Lauren Smith, and with me today is Corey Miller, a Denver-based singer, musician, and songwriter with Red Rocks Worship. Corey, welcome to WRFH, and thank you for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Let's start by talking about Red Rocks Worship. You're a Denver-based worship band associated with Red Rocks Church, but there's so much more to your story than that. You've traveled around the country, you're about to go on tour again, and your music is enjoyed by listeners all over the world. How did Red Rocks Worship get started, and how did you become a part of it? Oh, man. Well, yeah, like you said, we're, we're part of a church, and so uh, I, I feel like the, the people that are involved with Red Rocks Worship, we've all kind of come at our own pace. Uh, Tyler's been there for 11 years. I, I've been here now for seven years, Jess for six years, and there's just like a, a different amount of time that we've all spent here, but um, it all started because in all reality, we were, you know, six different worship leaders with six different backgrounds, and uh, we couldn't, uh, <laughs> truth be told, we couldn't figure out what songs to do on the weekend because we all had different tastes. And so um, our answer to that was, well, maybe we should just write some songs <laughs> and then we'll we'll love them and <laughs> we'll, we'll all do the same one um so that's kind of how it started we we wrote for this uh project and then uh started doing those songs on the weekend and then after a little bit our our church just latched on and they loved it so we've just not stopped since let's back up even further for a second how did you personally get started in your music career was that always something you knew you wanted to pursue or was there a specific moment that defined your interest or anything like that definitely I so I wasn't raised as a Christian or in a Christian home and I when I was 17 I went to a youth camp and just got radically saved the Holy Spirit introduced himself to me and I uh, I remember finally just saying out loud saying okay you can have my life and that's that's the moment that I got saved and then seconds later I looked over and saw the worship leader and there was just this weird moment it it felt like trajectory shift for my life I remember seeing this worship leader and she was just pouring out and I remember thinking like oh I, I think I'm gonna do that for the rest of my life so it was it was all kind of like a, a very uh, heightened, dramatic experience. And ever since then, I've just been bulldozing down that road. That's an incredible story. It sounds like there was a lot at work to get you into the field that you're in now. Oh, definitely. Definitely. It, it was I, I came home after that experience and my family had no context to understand um, what I had just experienced. And I, I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know I wasn't plugged into a church. There was there was really no uh, support system there. So, um, yeah, I feel like I feel like the Lord just did something crazy at, at that youth camp for me. And what was the process like for you after that? Did you just you know immediately go and join your local church? Did your family react positively? Did they have any reaction at all? Did they know what to think about that? Ooh, buckle up! <laughs> it's a uh, um, yeah. I I I, I went to a local church and um, just, you know, my, my experience, my first experience with the presence of God was so intense that I, it kind of changed the way I viewed corporate times together. And so I would go to 
go to this local church and I would be having these like encounters <laughs> and even, even, you know, they lacked uh, history with me to know who I was. And so I would just be like on the floor <laughs> and they would be like, uh, who is this guy? What's going on? Um, my family, uh, they're wonderful. I love my family. But again, without the knowledge or the experience walking with the Lord, um, I think they were pretty pretty sold that I had aligned myself with a cult. <laughs> so they they were like, "Uh oh, this is weird. How everything's changing? Like the way he talks is changing. The way that the way that he everything he does is different." And you know, a, a little more maturity and understanding. Now I know it was it was like that reborn thing. You know, I I just the old man has gone and the new has come. And so, um, yeah, they, they, they were quite concerned for, for a while. And then, um, as, as time went by, I think they were like, Oh, this is probably a good thing for him. That's a really interesting story. Now, was that also the beginning of your interest in music that time at the youth camp or were you interested in music before that? I, I was interested in music before that. It, it, I, I was very, uh, some would say, including my family, I, I was borderline obsessive about um, vocals and singers and and the techniques that they would they would have to master in order to to do what they did. And I, you know, I I joined choir. I the one family member that that went to church was she was she's my grandma she's catholic and she would she would take me to mass every now and then i would uh i would sing in the choir so i, I, I there was a, a baseline interest before that experience um and i had some I, I minimal but some exposure to to wor- musicality um my my parents had loved him so much they just have no no musical bone in their body so i yeah for for a, a bit, there was interest, and then after that experience, it really the, just the fires got real hot for it. So, started learning as much as I could, and again, got really obsessive with it. Now you're here writing and performing music with Red Rocks Worship. What what would you say is your favorite song you've produced together as a band? Oh, that's so hard. Uh, there's so many that I love. I, I I would say that the two that come to mind. I can't narrow it down past that, but the two that come to mind is there's one song called Living God that a good friend and fellow worship leader, Jess, she leads that song. Um, I just, the writing process for that one was so interesting and wonderful. And and I would say that the other one is probably, you know, in my experience so far in writing music, it was the most, uh, I, I'm trying to normalize it, but it wasn't normal. It was probably the most like supernatural experience. Uh, and that song is called I Will Trust. So I know also that Colorado was under a heavy lockdown during the COVID era. You know, people look at me like I'm crazy when I describe how much beef we ate out of a can during that season because the grocery store <laughs> was running low on meat or something like that. But for a week or two there, the dystopian future looked pretty near at hand. And I know Red Rocks Church had to make a lot of adjustments for those lockdowns and services and worship were online for a while. So how did COVID influence the band's production process? Wow. Yeah. I mean, 
top to bottom, we, we had we had to adjust, um, just like everybody. Um, I, I feel like what happened in March of 2020 is that the church, just globally, the church had to had to, you know, it felt like the whole world was like, okay, now we take a break and there's space and we're going to stay at home. And, and there were certainly elements of that, but I I feel like just globally, the church was like, oh, we have to pour gas on the fire right now. Um, And so that, that's, that's what happened for, for Red Rock. So we church and, and really for worship, but the, the moment that shutdown happened, we, we suddenly couldn't be with our church people anymore and we were searching for ways to pastor them. And, you know, the, what we came up with is like, we have to write, we have to write what is true. We have to write what is real Uh, because not to say that the dystopian future and the, the very real like pandemic we were all in isn't real. Um, I just think as believers, there's a truer, better reality that we get to anchor ourselves to, and that is in the person of Jesus. And so for for us, at least from the production side, it, it went from leisurely writing songs, introducing them on a weekend, um, seeing if our church people liked them, and then moving forward, it went into like, you know, we are actually like calling out to the Lord, like, how do we, how do we pastor our people? How do we give them songs that remind them of what you said, remind them of what is true? And that from that moment of the song's conception into, you know, we were just like everybody else or almost everybody else. We were doing church online and there was nobody in the room and we were, we were pastoring through a camera lens and we were, we were, you know, doing our best to, to not make it feel so uh, distant uh, close close the distance, and I, I think the production of this of Things of Heaven, our last record, that that project really turned uh, from let's just see if they like it into like no, you know what, like this is what they need to hear, and we're gonna look at the Lord, we're gonna love Him, we're gonna worship Him, and that is actually gonna lead people into the present, you know. So that that was a major tonal shift, and something I would say that we're holding on to for future records. I think it was less of a, we're adjusting and more of the Lord saying, like, I'm going to adjust you. I'm going to adjust the way that you do this and you view this. So for us, we, we feel very uh, corrected in the best way, in the best way. So suppose for a second, you're somebody who's, you know, maybe not able to come to church, but they're listening to your music. What do you want them to take away from that experience? What's the one thing you want them to learn? (sighs) I think, it, it does come down to how how it felt like the Lord corrected us in the process, and it's it's what I I just so badly want everyone to to grasp onto, and and that is you know it, this isn't the only area this happens in, but I can say for me as a worship leader, a lot of times I can with a noble heart I can kind of you the the purpose and the goal of worship from being um the you know what i i think biblically is the correct way of we're here to celebrate the lord we're here to like put our eyes on jesus and look at him and be in wonder and bless him we can take our eyes off of that and 
be more how do we get our people feeling better? How do we get them into moments of worship? Those things are like beautiful things that happen. Um, but I think for us, the the antidote was like, oh, we, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't look at you and I, I wasn't, I wasn't worshiping you and, you know, noble hearts and all, you can still create idols. You can still create false gods. And for, for our team, a false God was our, even our people of saying like, we want you to just get it. And so I, I would say to finally answer your question, sorry, I'm long winded to answer your question. When people hear our music, I, man, we just hope and pray that it, it causes the listener to look at Jesus not anybody else, not me, not any other worship leader, to look at Jesus. Um, he is the author and perfecter of our faith. And if that's true, if we look at him, we we are changed. We actually do get better. We, we actually do. We are blessed. But the process of worship, when people listen to our music, the purpose isn't so that we are blessed. The purpose is that we bless the Lord. We minister to him. And so I think through all the songs that we do, all the moments that we lead, we're not trying to manipulate emotions or manipulate reality. We are just trying to switch our eyes off of looking at everything else and put them on Jesus. Thank you for joining us over coffee at WRFH Radio Free Hillsdale. I'm Lauren Smith, and with me today is Corey Miller, singer and musician for Red Rocks Worship. Let's talk some more specifics about what songwriting is like for you. If you're getting ready to write a new track and you're looking for inspiration, where do you turn to find that? Oh, man. Well, I feel like we have the cheat code uh, in worship and just in Christian radio, uh, Christian music. We have, we have the Word. We have the Bible that is just chock full of every human experience, every emotion, every—I mean, you have the story of Jesus— of like, there's no man like him ever. And that, that is so inspiring. There's, there's nobody else that died and then started breathing again and then ascended to heaven like that. That's insane. Um, I feel like for me, when I'm writing a huge focus for me is actually to say like, what, what am I learning? What, what am I being, what, what, what did I have to say sorry for? What 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 did I have to come to the Lord and repent for? And oftentimes, what I find is there's inspiration in those moments because He spoke, He said something, He did something. Um, so, first place go to is the Word. Um, second place is you know where <laughs> people are really funny, people are really interesting, and everybody has this unique experience with life. And so if you just start asking questions to people around you, you'll, you'll start seeing like, man, they like, they're experiencing something that is so full. It is so, there's so much creativity in what their, what their life is right now. Um, I'll never forget a really good friend of mine um, had a baby and because, because of this child, it changed their life and both of them. And, and, uh, there's a song that came out of that. And we have a song called echo holy. And this, we wrote that song because right at the beginning of the pandemic, this couple was coming to our church and, um, right before the shutdown, he, he was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And I had gone from seeing them every week and saying like, how are you? How's chemotherapy? How, how are you doing? And 
I went from that to not being able to see them at all. And so I found out midway through the pandemic that he had actually passed away. And I, I was so moved because I just love this couple. I was so moved that I was like, what is he seeing right now? How, what is he? Wow. Like he's seeing Jesus. He is, he is in the throne room right now. And I, and that, that, that was actually what inspired the song of ours called Echo Holy, where it's like, man, he is around a million angels that are face down on the floor singing the same song that we're singing right now. Um, so another long-winded answer to your question. So sorry. <laughs> no, that's an amazing story, too. I love that song, but I had no idea there was that much depth to the production and the backstory. Yeah. Oh, and, you know, the truth is, because we're a church, we, we write out of, you know— Gosh, our our pastors spend 30, 40 hours on a sermon, prepping it, getting it ready. And um, there's stories of life change and, and in our house, like the Lord is changing people and healing people. And so really all the songs that we do are kind of born out of these stories of people. We're like, whoa, <laughs> if it's not a story of someone in the Bible, it's a story of someone that we see week to week. And we're like, man, that is beautiful. We want to write about that. So when you're writing a song like that, do you start with the words? Do you start with the music? How does that work for you? It's as uh, unpredictable as the ocean, but also as stable as the ocean, if that makes sense. Um, I think for me, I oftentimes hear melodies first. Um, and from that melody, I'll, I'll just kind of ask, like, what, what does this melody do to me? What Some melodies are, are calming and peaceful, and, and therefore we can write about the peace of God. And some melodies are so reverent, and they're so, like, there's a, almost a haunting nature to them. I'm like, oh, that makes me think of the throne room. I want to write on Revelation 4 and Isaiah chapter 6. Like, I want to write about the throne room. I want to write about what we see when we see him. Um some are really joyful and some are like have freedom just woven into the melodies. And so I'm like, Oh, we need to write a song about like the freedom that comes with the grace of God. And so, uh, for me, a lot of melodies inform what, what the song will say. Um, but there's other writers on our team that they, they get a, a lyric first and they're like, we don't know what the melody is, but we need to say this, you know? So it's different every time for sure. So how do you get to the point where you have this inspiration in front of you and you are confident you can go and make a song out of that? What are some skills that you need to have as a musician that you would recommend to young musicians to develop? Ooh, man. If Yes. <laughs> I, I've, I've had to learn the, the very hard way. If anybody can just learn this faster, please do. But I think the first is just get out what you want to say. Just say it. Like, even if it sounds so cliche so shallow even who cares just get out what you want to say and then sit with it and then with with that lyric it's mainly with lyric with that lyric if you can say like okay what do i really mean by that you know there's some lyrics where are like here i stand in your presence like that that's not breaking the world that's not like unlocking something new and it can actually still stand on its own but you can actually say, like, okay, here I stand in your presence. What do I mean by that? Like, well, what I mean by it is, like, I am shocked because you just interrupted me in my day, and I love it, and I love being in your presence. And so there's a deeper lyric there that exists 
beneath what you really did mean. Um, and then I think, you know, a, a huge, huge part of songwriting is um, find people that you, that you trust their heart, that you don't have to trust their ability. You, you can trust their heart, though, and you can say, like, hey, will you listen to this? And will you actually tell me what it makes you think about? What, what, what does this do to you? Are you moved? Oftentimes, if they're not moved, then your, your lyrics uh, were vapid <laughs> and, and a little shallow. And um, I think if you can, if you can learn to um, take the offense or ego out of the process, you will actually care about having the best song and not care about being seen as a good songwriter. Um, those two things are at war at all times. Thank you for joining us over coffee at WRFH Radio Free Hillsdale. I'm Lauren Smith, and with me today is Corey Miller, singer and musician for Red Rocks Worship. Red Rocks Worship is about to go on tour, I've heard, and you're going to be in Brighton, Michigan on Sunday, which is not far from us at Hillsdale. Being in a band and traveling around the country is something I think a lot of people dream of experiencing. So can you talk a little about what that's like? I'd also like to know some of the songs you keep on repeat during your cross-country trips. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, it's so much fun. It is not as glamorous as, as you might think. Um, it comes with a, a lot of... Um, well, I should just say, it just naturally built in on tour is it means you lose sleep. <laughs> so I am a huge, I love sleep so much. Can sleep anywhere. Five-star sleeper right here. Um, and then tour, tour is, is very involved. It just is. You're around people all the time. I love all the people we're on tour with. But, you know, it, there's, there's something about having some alone time that's nice. Um, so tour is, is wonderful. It really is. Um, I would say a repeat song is this is interesting um party in the usa by miley cyrus just always a good jam uh and then weirdly enough for it's a kind of an inside joke for red rocks worship but mercy me um has a song called i can only imagine and we, we actually um if anybody's in a foul mood or anybody's just a little down we'll just bump that song and scream it at the top of our lungs and it just does wonders <laughs> That sounds like a great way to cheer up after a long day. Are there any yeah. other little activities like that? Just little downtime activities that you and your fellow bandmates especially enjoy when you've been traveling for a long time and you're starting to get tired? Man, I you know, there's two things that come to mind. The first is that we we're all such good friends. Like we're it's the line has been blurred between friends and family at this point. We're so close um that we can kind of we're we're the type where we can make a joke and then it just never dies. We, it's not funny to anybody else, but we will just keep it going for as long as you possibly can make it more extravagant, more intense. And I think that, that, that really takes up a lot of time for us. Um, and then the second thing, a little more practical, but after, after these worship nights, um, we do this every Sunday. We do this every time we go out on the road, uh, we'll find time to come together at the end, normally it's it's on the bus or in the van or anywhere, and we'll sit down and we'll, and we'll be honest. We'll say like, "Hey, what what did we feel like God was doing in the room? What did we see? What did we what did we hear?" Um, this is also a great time for us to be like, "Ooh, we super messed up. <laughs> Whoops, that was embarrassing." Or 
um, you know, I, I, for whatever reason, I'm a worship leader and I just happen to have so many like wardrobe malfunctions in worship. I don't know why it's a, a curse on my life. <laughs> and so oftentimes we just laugh and we like, man, that was weird, dude. That's, that's a real bummer. <laughs> so we have, we call those that time our, our debrief. So we will sit together, ride in the van and, and debrief the night and what was funny, what, what, what messed up, what was amazing, what did God do, um, celebrate, and then also laugh about the things that we shouldn't celebrate about. <laughs> that's fantastic. And that sounds like a lot of fun. So what stops beside Brighton will you be making on your current tour? Is there one you're most looking forward to or some part of the country that you're most excited to see? You're not legally obligated oh. to say Michigan, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Michigan, Michigan always. Um, no, I, you know, each night is going to be so different. Each, each day is going to be so different. Um, so the, I, I, I truly am looking forward to all of them. It's, you know, I, we're, we're for the most part stationary in Denver and to get out and to see people and to meet people, some people for whatever reason, just feel like immediate friends. And it's so fun to meet them. I would say if there's one I'm looking forward to, a lot right now it's Nashville just because we we go sometimes to Nashville and write music and uh our our label partners live there and and they're just such good friends of ours so um we have kind of a natural built-in um community there and we're really excited to worship with them and see them and get dinner and all those things um but yeah so we're starting in Nashville um and then we're going to be in Indianapolis Michigan and Ohio. Um, so Indiana, I should say Michigan and Ohio. And so those are the stops for this tour. Um, but really, I, I'm, this isn't just lip service. We're just really excited to be at all the places we're going to be. It's always different. We don't know what to expect. And it's, there's some uh, mystery and excitement around that that we love. So you mentioned already the song I Can Only Imagine by Mercy Me. If I recall correctly, you're going to be performing alongside them in October at the Red Rocks Amphitheater. Yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. Someone pinch me. <laughs> That's amazing. So how, how does it feel to be performing alongside them and also in such a famous venue, too? Are there any artists by chance who have been there that you admire? Oh, my gosh, yeah. I mean, it's just such a long list. I don't even know where to start. Um, we're so excited, um, you know, for, for, uh, for a lot of us, I, I would, I would actually say all of us, um, we're all at the age where, um, particularly the song I can only imagine was like for a lot of us, our, our first time being invited into the throne of room of God. And so, um, that song has led us, it's, it's, it's pastored us when we were, when we were kids and. Um, to to share the stage with them and to lead with them is just an, a supreme honor. I, I just don't know the words to say. It it feels surreal. Um, not to glorify them because they're, they're people too, but but you know to get to join your um, those who have influenced your life and doing the same thing is um, I do not take it for granted whatsoever. Um, and Red Rocks Amphitheater, it's it's interesting because we're in Denver, and, and that's about 15 minutes away from 
where I live, in my house right now where I am, uh, that is 15 minutes away. Um, and I think there have been so many iconic moments and artists that have kind of released on that stage. And so to, to, to now join that group of people, is, it feels a little bit like, who's letting us do this? <laughs> um, are you sure <laughs> you want us to do this? Um, but yeah, under the, under the stage, there's a tunnel that goes from the green room onto the stage. And it's kind of this hallmark moment where you get a Sharpie and you get to write your name in the tunnel. Um, and so I'm, I'm just really excited. There's a couple artists that if I can find their name, I, I want, I want mine to be next to theirs. <laughs> So we'll see. That's very cool. So I have one last question for you. Let's make it a fun one. This isn't your first time on tour, so I'm guessing you have some experiences to draw from here. What's your favorite story from the road? Could be something touching, something funny, something memorable, anything you want to share. Oh, man. It, the, the funny thing is that most of our funny things that happen, um, they are... <laughs> They're uniquely funny to us, and so I don't know if they would be so funny for everybody. Um, I will share that on our last tour, um, we just, I don't know why, this is a serious one, sorry, but on our last tour, we just saw so many people healed, and, and that isn't like, that's not a normal occurrence for us. We don't, we, we don't like capitalize on that, mostly because we don't, you know, we, no one's really trained us in that, and and it's not us, it's the Lord, but we just kept being shocked because we're like, whoa, um, now we have to like do our due diligence to learn how to steward that. Um, so we're really excited to see if that continues on this next tour. We don't, we don't know. Um, something funny. I think the funny thing is, you know, we would, you know, you get ready and you, and you get all the line checks and you get everything ready to go and you're dressed, you're, in the zone and then someone brings dinner and then for me and most of my team um my fellow teammates we we just don't want to eat at that moment we're like we're that's not where our heads are and so we'll say like no thank you like we're just gonna down this water and go out <clears throat> we'll we'll finish and then we're starving <laughs> it's because we're we're so hungry and so i can't tell you how many times our tour bus had to stop at like it was like 1130. So the only thing open is McDonald's. And we're like, none of us are like McDonald's people, you know, like no shame to anybody that is, but we just aren't that. So we would stop in there and you should see there's probably like 11 of us. And the amount of McDonald's that is ordered is insane. It is actually clinically insane. So it's just bags and bags and bags of fries and burgers. So, for us, that's just so weird and so funny to us. I'd say you're having a good effect on the economy, keeping McDonald's open around the country. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy pre-tour schedule. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. We're so excited to be there. To our listeners, as always, thank you for joining us at WRFH Radio Free Hillsdale. This has been the Conversations Over Coffee interview series. I'm Lauren Smith, and with me today was Corey Miller, musician and songwriter at Red Rocks Worship.